All right. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Lighthouse Bible Church. Happy Thanksgiving, a little early. Let's begin by praying together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that when we were dead in our sins, lost, you reached out with your son's precious blood and offered it up for our sins. And and we thank you that Jesus was willing to die for us. And we thank you, Father, that you raised him from the dead as a demonstration that whoever believes in your son, Jesus Christ, will never perish but has eternal life. And that you have declared that person to be righteous in your eyes forever. Father, this morning as we celebrate Thanksgiving, help us to bring to mind and concentrate on those things about you and especially your son, Jesus Christ, that are worthy of gratitude and praise. We pray also this morning, Father, for the needs of the saints, both here in our congregation, around the country, and indeed around the world. And we ask, Father, that you would continue to give us the motivation and the challenge so you take care of one another, love one another, sacrificially. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, let's let's stand up and sing a congregation song this morning. I would like to wish every one of you a happy Thanksgiving. A little bit early, but nevertheless, I um, hope that you have a um, enjoyable, but also a time to reflect on why it is that we should be thankful and grateful. A couple of announcements this morning before we get started with today's sermon message. Next Thursday, this Thursday coming up is Thanksgiving Day. Because of that, we will not have Bible study on Thursday. We will not have Bible study on Thursday. Grace Bible Church Pakistan, um, once again this year, is having Christmas care package fundraiser. I, I promised I'd give you the details on that, and I'm going to do that now. We're also going to have this information posted. It's actually quite a bit because of uh, they've changed how they um, well they've added uh, ways to donate and so I'm going to go through the three because different people like to use different ones in any event um, let me give you some information let me give you some pictures um, this year the, the theme so to speak is the tabernacle and they're relating the tabernacle to the person of Jesus Christ very visual for young people and uh, so that's cool and then um they're, once again, this year, they're trying to raise $20,000. As of this date, they're nearly halfway there, which is great news. Um, they have three packages, different ones that we give to, can give to. They have an academy school. They put, on, they put a package of, of items that make up the student uniform. Their goal is 228 of those. They have children's gift packages. This, this is not only for their own children in their congregation, but they also have sister congregations in different cities, as well as the villages that surround Arafwala, where the main church is. So they want to give 100 of those and, two, and 250 what's called family ration packages. There are a lot of poor people. Some of them don't have enough to eat. And so at Christmas time, at least, they want, to, you know, they want us to be able to participate in giving them decent meal for Christmas. Okay, so again, that's, those are the different things. Now, the prices for that, um, the student uniform package, $15 each, children's gift packages, $10 each, or a family ration package, $26 each. Okay. There's three ways to donate. First one is the old-fashioned one, mail a check or money order. Just put Christmas care package and mail it to their um, treasurer, Grace Bible Church, Pakistan. And there's the address, P.O. Box 4364, Prescott, Arizona, 86302. Once again, I'll remind you that we will be posting all this information. Um, and also it'll be, it'll be embedded into the uh, slides uh, that will be on our website as well. Um, secondly, you can use Zelle if you like that. You can donate through Zelle. If you don't know what that is, don't worry about it. But if you do use it, um, that's the address for that. That's, their, that's one of their emails for the treasurer, gbcp.treasurer at gmail.com. Or third, you can use PayPal. And you can get to that on their, on their website, their webpage, www.gbcpakistan.org. And even if you aren't able to donate, 
we they really covered our prayers as well, not only for this particular fundraising, but generally speaking for their ministry, um, especially now. I think I mentioned this in prayer meeting on Thursday evenings, but because of the war in the Middle East, um, the 99% Muslim country is not only upset and angry at Jewish people, but they're taking it out on the Christians as well. So we would ask for prayers, particularly for that at this time. Okay. Oh, yeah, and there's a picture of PayPal, um, just to show that you can identify where you want to direct the money, and this would be the care package that you want to choose, if, if that's your intention. All right, so now the message this morning, the title is, Enter His Gates with Thanksgiving. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Again, on behalf of Lighthouse Bible Church, I wish you and all your loved ones a very happy Thanksgiving this year. As we approach this Thanksgiving, perhaps you've asked yourself a question. What should I be grateful for this year? What do I have to be grateful for? If if you haven't asked that question, then really you ought to do so. A little preparation. When I enter into Thanksgiving, what is it? that I am grateful for? What is it that I should be grateful for? Now, this morning, you're going to get some help answering that question. God lets us know in his word the things that we can and the things that we should always be grateful for. Always be grateful for. Now, that that may not be the first thing that comes to mind. As a matter of fact, most of the time, what we do is we take stock of our life And we think about things that happened to us during the year, the things that we're grateful for, the blessings. And we tend to think about those in temporal terms and things of people in our lives, financial health, help and all that thing, all those kind of things. But we always have to remember that um, God's ways are not our way. So when we ask this question, what do I have to be grateful for this year? Not only do we look at our own lives, but we also look at God's word. Because those things we're going to find out this morning, those things are always there, no matter what's going on in our circumstances. We may be having a really difficult time in certain areas. I know you are, whether it be family or job or what's going on in this crazy world. And if we concentrate on those things, if we're looking there to find things that we should be grateful for, we can have a difficult time with that. And so what what God is asking us to do is to step away from that and instead look at what he, who he is, who Jesus is, what he's done for us. And the way we can be, we can actually get a lot of help with that because there are lots and lots of places in God's word where we have individuals, whether it's a psalmist, whether it's the apostle Paul, who are expressing their thanks and their gratitude. By the way, sometimes Paul, and we'll see this, is grateful for, for, for his congregations, and I am this morning, for the people, the Christians that God has placed in our lives, the, 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 the gifts that we have, the spiritual gifts that we have to provide one another. So that's a, that's a definite important part of it. But ultimately, we look to God himself. We look to Jesus himself and understand the things about who he is, the things about who he's made us to be that can never be taken away. That ought to form the heart of our gratitude. And again, it's because it's something we can turn to all the time. It never changes. It's a, it's a solid hope. And, it, and those are the things that keep the gratitude in our hearts, keep it deep and ongoing. And, a, and, 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 and as a matter of fact, when things are really bad out there, it's that ability to go and see what God has done, what God is doing, the hope that we have in that that allows our hearts still to be grateful, as difficult as some of the things are that we're going through. God's ways are not our ways, and we have to keep that in mind every day, everything that's going through in our lives. But in particular, when we ask that question, what am I grateful for this year? We have to, we have to not only look at perhaps the, the blessings in, quote, our lives, but also to realize that there's a whole other level where God is operating. God's ways are not our ways. And so we have now, how do we do that? Well, we can't, we can't grab onto God's ways by just ourselves looking at situations or memories or what have you. 
right? The only way to get in touch with these ways of God, and now we're talking particularly about the gratitude, is to go to his word. Look at how he, what he has to say. Look at how he thinks. And that's what we're going to do this morning. If you're following along with that, the list of things that you're grateful for, the ones perhaps that you've already come up with, that list won't be the same as the list you'll leave with today. You'll have a whole other set of things to be grateful for. And that's, that's good. That's important. You know, gratitude in our hearts is, a, is actually a wonderful thing. It, it, not only for the, for, for the Lord, right, who really, of course, he, he's wonderful no matter what, but more importantly for ourselves, for our own hearts, for our own peace of mind, for our own sense of well-being. It's not the circumstances that should give us our sense of well-being. Because those can change. If, 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 you're, if you're attaching your gratitude to something in your life that's present now, that could be gone. And, and then if that's, if that's how you approach giving thanks, then you're going to not be thankful anymore. But, but God gives us things that will never change. And in that way, he adjusts our attitude. You know, we all need attitude adjustments once in a while. And, and how do we do that? Well, I suppose authority figures in your life, by the way. That's what they're there for, right? So children get attitude adjustments from their parents, okay? By the way, congregation members get attitude adjustments from the communicators, all right? Um, but not only that, um, if even every one of us in our jobs and so forth have authority figures and there they do give us attitude adjustments but as christians of course our ultimate authority is the lord jesus christ he's the head and how he communicates and gives us the opportunities to change our thinking is through his word the word of god that's what changes our hearts the word of god renews our thinking changes our thinking gives us other thoughts that we that we wouldn't have had without it transforming our lives in terms of our perspective, our outlook, what it is that we can be grateful for. Please turn to Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. The Lord gifted Paul with a tremendous way of bringing his congregation's bringing us now through a whole thought process. And one of the things that, that he did in his writings that reflects God's heartbeat is to always first teach us. Always first say, hey, there's some things that perhaps you don't know or haven't thought about that I'm now going to take you through. And once you're done going through those things, you're going to be a different person. And, and if, he, if he, if God just comes to us cold and says, I want you to do this, I want you to think this way, then, then we have a natural reaction as human beings to be resistant to that. You know, that's what Paul met in Romans 7 when he talked about the law. He said, law is good. The problem is, is that I have flesh that reacts against it. Well, what Paul does in his letters in particular is first give a lot of teaching. Hey, just relax. Just sit. Just listen. Just concentrate on what I have to say, what, I'm, what Paul is communicating from the thinking of God. And he does that for 11 chapters in the book of Romans. Okay, 11. Before he ever gets to a command, now I want you to do such and such. Okay? And that's, that's, that's something. I mean, that's something to say before... He, the Lord, remember, because Paul is representing the Lord, before the Lord is going to ask you, indeed command you, to do something, he's always going to retrain your thinking so that you're ready to do it when the request comes. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brethren. Here's, here's when he's starting to ex, you know, implore people. And, and, and actually command them. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, Romans 12.1, I we urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Again, 
I urge you, brethren. Now remember, this is after he's taken him through, taken them through the whole gospel and its completeness, meaning the fact that we've all we're all sinners and we fall short of the glory of God. God has done something about that because he's given us his son, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was the one who satisfied God's righteousness and justice on behalf of the whole human race. He talks about how that's consistent with all the Old Testament promises. Then he talks about the the security that we have once we believe in Jesus Christ. We'll never lose our salvation. That God has dealt with the whole human race in terms of Adam versus Christ. And when we believe in Christ, we're in the Christ column forever. And he, then he deals with issues that we are going to have in our, once we, once we understand the gospel, we're still here on planet earth. We're still wrestling with things. So he gives chapter six as a way in which to say, this is God's solution to the issue of sin in your life after you're born again and saved. And then in chapter seven, he talks about the fact that the law, because of our weakness of our flesh, is a bondage rather than a liberator. And therefore, we need to understand that there's only one way to be freed up from the law, and by the way, from our own self-righteousness, from our own desire to put established rules in our own lives, and for us to be feeling guilty all the time. And that's chapter 7. And then chapter 8, he comes through with the most incredible, incredible series of truths about what it means now that we're in Christ, that we have the Spirit in us. And then he goes for three more chapters, Romans 9, 10, and 11, to answer the question, what about Israel? So there's a lot of teaching before this. But then look at verse twelve, chapter 12, verse 1 again. I urge you, brethren, now that you know all of that, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies, your bodies, a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. A lot of people want to stay spiritual, and they don't realize that the way in which we offer Give offerings to God. It's no longer what the Jews did by putting animal sacrifices, right? Now it's what? It's presenting our bodies a living and holy sacrifice. And we need to be exhorted and and critiqued and, and, and to be criticized and so forth when we don't do that. When we think that all Christianity is, is a spiritual thing. It's just what's going on in my own heart. Well, that's wrong. Christianity, it begins there, but it also, it's also now present your bodies. Present your bodies, and there's no getting away from that, meaning that there's things that the Lord has asked you to do. There's people he's asked you to minister to. And that requires what? An attitude adjustment. Naturally, we're not that way. That's what verse 2 is all about. Do not be conformed to this world. Do not be conformed to the ways of this world. Do not be conformed to the ways that this world thinks, this world that is selfish and greedy and rejects all the things of God. Don't be conformed to that thinking. Now, what does that tell us? It's all too easy to be conformed. And he's talking to Christians now. It's all too easy to slip into that. We all will from time to time. What's the solution? Do not be conformed to this world, but what? Be transformed Now, be transformed is passive. Allow this to be done to you by the power of the word of God, the power of the Holy Spirit working in you. Be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. There's that attitude adjustment. You need to think differently about it. You may may be coming into today and saying, I've had a tough year. You know what? I, I just, I can't, I can't bring myself to be grateful for very much right now. Well, you need an attitude adjustment. You need your mind renewed. You need to get your mind off the things that are making you not have thanks and onto the things that always will by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. See, see the problem that we have when it comes to gratitude, is that too often we're carrying the world with us. The world is heavy. The world is negative. The world is the last thing that the world wants is gratitude. It's almost impossible to have an attitude of gratitude when you're thinking the way the world thinks. When our thinking, as Paul says here, is conformed to, 
and as a matter of fact, blinded by. And this is for Christians. We, our thinking can be conformed to the ways of this sick, corrupt, deceived world. And, let me, and, and what happens inside is that our hearts and our minds, when we're thinking and conformed to what what's the world is all about, and it's a sick world, you know that. It's a corrupt world. It's totally deceived. Because it, the world never, by definition, will never look to Jesus Christ for the answers. That's a deception. Because he's the only place you can look to for the answers. Our minds, when that happens, when we're corrupted and conformed to this world, our minds will be saturated with fear and selfishness and dissatisfaction. Dissatisfaction, that's the opposite of gratitude. There's a lot of people walking around today, and the last thing that's in their hearts is gratitude for very much. Because they're always focusing on, what is it that I'm missing? What has somebody done to me that's wrong? I need more than what I have, so forth. That's the way of this world. But again, the question, what do we, you, I, really have to be grateful for? And again, you might be thinking to yourself this morning, and I understand this, this has been a particularly difficult year. I think a lot of us have had that thought. And that's, that's, there's nothing wrong with that response. We're human beings. There are difficult things. There are things that can cause us to be afraid, dissatisfied, frustrated by. You might say that because of that, I'm not sure there's very much to be grateful for. We have wars going on in the Middle East and Europe. That's nothing to be grateful for. We have hatred boiling over in our streets. That's nothing to be grateful for. We have corruption in our country. That's nothing to be grateful for. We have inflation. That's nothing to be grateful for either. And that's just a few of the things, right? And you know, when I think about you all, and of course I do, I pray for you all, I think of many of you have been through some very difficult, rough, tragic things this year. Some of you have had health emergencies. Some of you are in chronic pain. Some of you have people that you love dearly have died. Some people have had financial ruin. I know all of that primarily through conversation, but also for the prayers that people have requested. Some of them are so moving and distressing. So the fact is, though, today, that every one of us, whether I mention something that, is, that has happened to you that you've been involved in this year or not, the fact truly is that every one of us, if we want to, can find reasons to be discouraged. You know, just spend a half hour watching CNN, if you don't believe me. <laughs> or any of the, I'm not picking on CNN. Fox News, the Internet, Jerusalem Post, I don't care where you go, New York Times, Wall Street Journal, you'll find lots of reasons to be all of those things. The world, by the way, is, desi- is designed. Who is the God of this world, by the way? Refresher? Satan. Satan's the God of this world. He's designing the way the world thinks, right? That explains a lot because he's a murderer and a liar. But one of the things that the, what he's designed the world to do is to put in our hearts the very opposite of the things that God wants there. God wants, God, God wants the fruit of the Spirit, right? Love, joy, peace, gratitude. What's the world doing to us? Wanting to put in our hearts discouragement, anger, frustration, bitterness. And, and so you can be conformed to that or you can be transformed by the Word of God. And the fact is that every one of us if we, if, we, if we want to, if we concentrate on certain things, have a, reasons to be discouraged, reasons to be frustrated, reasons to be bitter. But you know something? A heart that is preoccupied, that is in that kind of a condition, is very far removed from a place of gratitude thanksgiving. If you've had a difficult time, if you even thought about the question, and you've had a difficult time coming up to, with things to be grateful for, It's because your heart is in another place, removed from where that heart can be grateful, can be given thanks. 
And what, how does that work? Because we're being conformed to the wrong thinking, the wrong way of looking at this world, the wrong way of looking at people. Or perhaps just not so much the wrong way, but such, but that we can't seem to let go of some of this sadness, some of this pain, some of this grief. It's real, but if we, if, if we can't let go of that and give that to the Lord, then our hearts are sitting there in that rather than ready to thank God for things. It happens to all of us, by the way. It can happen like that. So please don't take offense with what I am now going to say. But as, as painful and as discouraging as these things are, every one of them is temporary. It's temporary. It's not going to be there forever. Okay? It's a, it's a part of this world that's always changing. Our lives are always changing. Right? Some good, some bad. You know, you have people die in your life, you have babies born, for example. You lose a job, you get another job. You have a friend that turns on you. You have a friend that remains true. You know, the book of Ecclesiastes talks about that, right? A time for living, a time for dying. That's our lives out there. Okay, but if we're relying on that for our gratitude, it's going to be a rocky ride. It's some good, some bad. Thank God these painful and discouraging things are temporary. They can't even compare to what we have in Christ Jesus. The glory that we await, the peace that we can have in our hearts now, the joy. The things as painful as they are cannot compare to the peace of Christ. Look at Romans chapter 8, verse 18. Romans chapter 8, verse 18. You know, Paul, of course, representing Jesus Christ, does not shy away from these hurtful, difficult things in our lives. In other words, he doesn't pretend they're not there. He knows they're there. And he has no problem with letting us know that he knows, that he cares for us, that we are to cast all our cares on him. He knows that we're suffering. Some people are suffering greatly right now in this room. And he knows about all that. But he also wants to give us something that we can have hope in, have have gratitude for, have joy about. That's what we're designed for, ultimately. Ultimately. I consider, Paul writes in Romans 18, that the sufferings of this present time, he he doesn't deny them. He doesn't give them short shrift. He doesn't say, well, why don't you just buck up because, you know, you're a baby. No, he says, yeah, this suffering is real. But I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed to us. And whether you think about that glory in terms of the rapture and Jesus Christ meeting us in the clouds, or perhaps that glory has to do with something that we already have, which is Christ inside of us, those, the things that we're going through ultimately can't even compare with the glory that is to be revealed to us. And so these things, these painful, discouraging, frustrating things, we should never allow them. They are afflictions, but we should never let them, never allow them to interfere with giving thanks to the Lord. Don't let that happen. Don't let that happen. Look at, now let's look at another passage. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Verses 17 to 18. In other words, God gives us the alternative every day. He doesn't, tell, he doesn't say, you know what? You're delusional if you say you're, you're in pain. I'm going to just wipe that all away and you're going to say, wow, there is nothing painful anymore. No, that's going to stay there. Right? But he says, I've got a way for you to then, not denying that, but in, in, in that in place still, Reach out and find the things that you can be thankful for. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17. For momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. Now you might say, I've lost somebody I loved. How can you say that's light affliction? 
I don't have a job right now. How can you say it's momentary? That's easy for you to say, Pastor Marley, because you have a job. But I'm not saying this. God is saying that. Why is he saying that? You know why he's saying that? Because he's saying, listen, there's things that totally dominate and overwhelm you and put you down, make you feel terrible. I'm going to just scoop that all up and go, it's this. Now, look how little this is in comparison to something else, which is what? An eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. Goes on, verse 18. While we look not at the things which are seen, when we look at the things which are seen, again, it's a mixed bag, isn't it? A mixed bag. But if we don't look at the things that are seen, but rather the things that are not seen, and by the, those things, of course, have to do with Christ, right? Those things have to do with Christ in us. Those are the things, the spiritual things that we're told by the Lord that we should put our mind on the things above where Christ is, those things. But they're not seen. And you see, it's not natural. The natural thing, if the, if the human mind is left to its own devices, is to think about the things below. Think about the things that I can see. If I can't see it, I won't believe it. Right? Seeing is believing. That's the world's viewpoint. Right? Although, you know what the Christian viewpoint is? Believing is seeing. Right? The world's seeing is believing. I got to see it. Thomas, I got to put my hands in the side of the Lord Jesus Christ where the sword went through Seeing is believing. But as Christians, we say, you got to have backwards. You see, believing about the things above is really seeing. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. The things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. Your future is bright in Christ. Your present, as difficult as your circumstances are, is marvelous. You've been justified. You believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And whether you know it or not, and I'm here to tell you this morning, God looked down on you the moment you understood that you were a sinner and there's nothing you can do about it. The moment you realize you need a savior. The moment that you, as it were, honored God's way of saving you, believing and giving all the glory to his son, Jesus Christ. That's all God was looking for. And now he turns around and he says, that person who now is not looking to themselves for anything worthy or able to deal with his sins, but instead has now believed in my son, I'm going to declare that person, God says, you, if you're a believer in Christ, righteous forever in my eyes. It's all different. It's all, God is no longer, if you're a believer, he no longer looks at you as a sinner. Now, don't get me wrong, we still commit sins, but that's not the way he sees you. Why? Because God's ways are not our ways. Right? That's what he's done. And things that are not seen are eternal. Now, I have to tell you something about Paul at this point. He was having an awful time of it when he wrote these words. When, in other words, when he said momentary light affliction, he just finished earlier in the chapter describing what he was going through, that he, through God's thinking, considered momentary and light. But you can judge for yourselves. Go up to verse 7 in chapter 4 of 2 Corinthians. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. The treasure is the light of the gospel of Christ. The earthen vessels are us, weak, right? Earthen vessels. So that the surpassing, notice this, surpassing greatness of the power will be of God and not from ourselves. Always. He, he, he said back in chapter 1, he says, you know, I realize now I've been going through all those things so that I'll no longer rely on myself. I thought I was somebody. I thought I was tough. I thought I could stand up to all the problems that ever came my way, and I found out differently. He said, I despaired even of life. That's how bad things got for Paul. So, so that he could finally recognize that the surpassing greatness is not in this earthen vessel of me, but it's the power of God, not from me. But notice what he was going through. 
Notice the things that he called momentary light affliction. Verse 8. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but we're not despairing. We're persecuted. By the way, all who desire to live godly will be persecuted. We're persecuted, but we're not forsaken. Right? We're persecuted. When I look at what's going on in my life, I'm being persecuted. It hurts. But I know I'm not forsaken. We're going to see in a little while. He's going to tell us how it is that we can be grateful all the time. And the answer is the peace of Christ, the peace of God. And the way in which we have access to that is to simply stop thinking about certain things like worry. Start praying. Right? Because we're not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the dying of Jesus. That's a whole series, by the way. The body, we're always carrying about in the body, our human bodies, the dying of Jesus. Why? So that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. For we who live are constantly being delivered over to death for Jesus' sake. I was, I was reading about a man in California, I believe it was, who, was, who went out and was a street preacher. And he was on a, a busy corner. And last week, somebody shot him to death in the United States. I'm not talking about Pakistan. Right? So, so we will be delivered to situations of death. But there's a reason. So that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death works in us but life in you. It's interesting because he says in verse 8, I'm afflicted in every way. He says in in verse 10, I'm always carrying about in the body. Verse 11, I'm constantly being delivered over to death. So we have this picture, don't we, of big suffering, big difficulty, which makes it all the more meaningful that he says, and all of that is momentary light affliction compared to the glory that awaits us. And that's something to be grateful for. By the way, Jesus did the exact same thing, you know, when he went through the worst suffering ever on the cross. Physical is not even the beginning of the suffering that he went through because this was the perfect son of God now who became sin for us. He bore all the sins of the world in his body on that cross. And even he, we are told, because of the things set before him, endured all of that. He considered that momentary light affliction in comparison to the glory of bringing many children to the Father. But what had happened to Paul and what really needs to happen to us, what really will be a great breakthrough when it does, is that he had finally become indifferent to external circumstances. Doesn't mean mean that he tried to avoid them or to pretend they weren't there. It's just it didn't affect him, didn't affect his happiness, as it were, his joy, his peace. Look at Philippians now, chapter 4, verse 11. Philippians 4, 11. Paul had become indifferent to the external circumstances that pressure our lives if we let them. And he had them. He said, you know, from the point of view of an unbeliever watching the life of Paul, they would have said his external circumstances are the worst I've ever seen. (laughs) He was beaten times without number. He was left for dead. He was hungry. He spent the night out in in the ocean, in the ocean, not on a boat. And so forth. External circumstances? No, I don't think so. I don't want to be Paul. If I'm all I'm looking at is the external. But that's not what he was looking at. Look at Philippians chapter 4, 11. He's talking here about the fact that, that there's only one church at the time that was helping him out financially. Not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know how to get along with humble means. I also know how to live in prosperity. By the way, there's nothing wrong with prosperity, gang. All right? Nothing wrong with it. God will prosper us, but then he will also humble us. And the point is to be content in all of that. I've learned how to get along with humble means, and I've also learned how to live in prosperity in any 
and every circumstance. Here it is. In any in every circumstance, I have learned the secret. And the question is, have you? Do you want to if you haven't? In any and every circumstance, I have learned. Notice it's learned. Notice in verse 11, I've learned to be content. It involves learning. It involves having your mind renewed. It involves looking at truths you never considered before. It, it, it involves going through life and making mistakes and being dominated by external circumstances and then perhaps in desperation going to God's word and he says, here's what you do when you're in an external circumstance that you can't avoid and you don't like. In any in every circumstance, I have learned the secret both of being filled and going hungry. There's a secret involved in dealing with both, both of having abundance and suffering need. I've learned the secret. I've learned how to get along in those situations. I've learned how to be content with whatever circumstances I'm in. Verse 13, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. That's the secret, by the way. That's the secret we saw in 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 2 Corinthians, right? I can do everything through him who strengthens me. In other words, he can lift those burdens. He can change the cloudiness in our heart to a bright, sunny day. He can do it. He can do all things. And, and Paul could do all things, but he understood through him who strengthened. By the way, all things does not mean what we, what we would think it would, might mean. Like, you know, I can walk on water or I can, you know, that's not what he's talking about. What he's saying is I can get through the day and go forward with what God is asking me to do, no matter what my circumstances are, through Christ who strengthens me. Nevertheless, you've done well to share with me in my affliction. He was afflicted. He was doing without, but he learned the secret. What was the secret he had learned? Well, we've seen that it has to do with realizing that Christ is strengthening him, but there's more. And whenever we ask a question like that in God's word, right, how do we answer a question that we have in God's word? We get to a point, he's talking about a secret. What is it? How do we find the answers? Yeah. Chicken of the neighborhood. Right? Right? You know, it's not, he's not, he's not going to send you on a wild goose chase. He's going to put it nearby. And he, he does it here in verse 13, talking about God strengthening us. He did it earlier, too. Look at chapter 4, verse 4 of, chapter, of Philippians. What's the secret? To being content, no matter what your external circumstances are. Yeah, that's one. That's part of it. We're going to go through this, okay? Because there's a whole formula here. Yeah, see, he's, he's reading ahead. Keep going, preacher Calvin. There you go. You can rejoice in the Lord always. That's what we're talking about this morning. You you can find gratitude in your heart no matter what. Again, he repeats it, I say, rejoice. How am I going to do that? There's wars. There's inflation. I lost a loved one. I'm hurting. I don't have enough money. Well, rejoice anyway. How am I going to do that? Not only that, but let your gentle spirit be made known to all men. The Lord is near. He's near. He's near you this morning. He's near me. He's in you this morning. He's in me. We're in him. He's always near. He's ready to listen to our prayers 24-7. Be anxious for nothing. Here's the formula, by the way. You want to know how to be content? Well, it starts by being anxious for nothing. That's a fancy way of saying, stop worrying about everything. Now, how do I do that? How do I? How do I, I, I got a kid in the military right now. It's only natural for me in light of looking on the world to say, I'm worried about him. And I am on one level. But God says, now here's how you deal with that. Don't be worried about that. Don't be focused on that. Instead, give it to me, God says. But in everything, all our circumstances, by prayer and supplication with, hey, what word is next? 
Thanksgiving. That's why we're celebrating. That's not, not why, but that's what we're celebrating. In everything. This is the secret. Yeah, is it a bummer that you lost your job? Absolutely. There's nothing fun about that. But give thanks and with prayer and supplication, go to the Lord with it. Make all your requests known to him. You know, if, it, if it's enough to worry about, to fret over, to be in pain about, it's a, then it's something you've got to give to God in prayer and supplication. Let your requests be made known to God. Then notice what happens next. The peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You'll get that attitude adjustment. You'll have your heart will be protected, garrisoned, so protected by means of what? Stop worrying and just give it over to the Lord. And he gives us more. Look at verses 8 and 9. I love verses 8 and 9. I'm a practical guy. It's like, here's some specific things you can do, right? Whatever is true, right? He's going to stay at the end of verse 8, dwell on these things. Spend time on these things. Think about these things instead. Whatever is true. Now, what's true in our lives? Well, a lot of things, but also a person, right? There's a person who's always true. He said, to, he said to us, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Whatever's true. Whatever's honorable. If you're looking around this morning and you got a choice between looking at what's going on in the world and where you can find almost nothing honorable, if we, you know, how many times do we say these days that, boy, I long for the old days. And by now we're talking about even times before we were born where there was honor in this country, right? But there's not there anymore. Does that mean there's no honorable things left? No, you just have to look at another place for them. Whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there's any excellence and anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. Get the attitude adjustment. Paul learned the secret of contentment. And it's found in the peace of God. In the peace of God. See, it doesn't come from ourselves. You know, we can't, as it were, manufacture the peace of God. I've tried. (laughs) I've tried. I've been in situations where like, all right, I'm just going to make peace in my heart. I'm just going to, you know, meditate for a while. Right? And there'll be peace, 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 peace. Yeah, for about two seconds. No, it's from God. It's his peace. Right? But he tells us how to get there, doesn't he? Right? He says, don't be worrying. Turn it over to me. And now think about the right things. Take the attitude adjustment. Put away that old man, all that worry and fear and negativity. Be renewed in your mind. And then think about the good things. And all you've got to really do is think about who Christ is. And all these other things will come along. So it comes from the peace of God and he says it surpasses all understanding. In that sense, it's miraculous. It's supernatural. And that's what will protect your heart from the conformity of this world, from the negativity, from the selfishness, from the frustration, from the anger. And the great thing about it, this peace that guards our hearts, is a very practical thing, ultimately. Yes, does it come from God only? Absolutely. But does he give us a recipe, so to speak? Yes, he does. But it's, not, it's nothing that we would, quote, do. It's where we turn over. Look, he says, be anxious for nothing. Again, fancy way of saying, don't worry. That's step one. How many times did Jesus told, tell his disciples that? Right? Stop worrying. Don't worry. Don't worry about anything. Right? Each day has enough trouble of its own. Knock it off. Knock it off. It can totally dominate your life. Worry and fear snowball. If you've never noticed, time to notice. You worry about one thing and you're in that unsettled place and all of a sudden 20 things are bothering you and you're worried about. You're afraid of one thing and it gets to you and all of a sudden you're looking around. Oh my gosh, all these things I didn't know I was afraid of, I'm afraid of now. Don't. (laughs) Don't. Stop it. Don't worry. But then you ask the question, wait a minute, I get that, but how am I going to do that? This is, where, this is where we have to go outside ourselves, right? Why? He says it's simple. 
All the things you thought you wanted to worry about, all the things that you were about to be afraid of, just give those things over to the Lord. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. The heavenly court is open 24-7. God's there all the time. You wake up at 4 o'clock in the morning and there's nobody, nobody awake and it's dark out and even your dog's asleep. And God's there. Go to him. Some of the worst, I don't know about you, but some of the worst anxiety and stuff that I get is like in the middle of the night sometimes or when I first wake up or when I'm about to go to bed, I'm a mess. But that's another story. Make your requests, your needs, your worries, your afflictions known to God. Simply pray. Pray. About these things. A lot of times we're sheepish about it. Uh, God doesn't want me to be worried. I'm worried about these things. He's probably like upset with me now. He's like, what's your problem? He says, no, let me know. I'll handle it for you. And do so with an attitude of thanksgiving. You know what that is? That's, that's that step up in your heart. Don't say, I was worried. I was afraid. But now I've given it to the Lord. And in so doing, I'm grateful that he's there. I'm grateful that I have a way out of all these terrible things that are in my heart. I'm going to do it with thanksgiving. I want to do it with thanksgiving. And then the third part of this, because here you are, you had all these anxieties, these things floating around, and you stopped, and you went to the Lord in prayer. But then, then he, he's not finished. He says, now, once you've done that, i got something else that I want you to do. You've given that over to me, but I'm going to give you something really practical that you can work on, that you can change your mind and look at other things instead, right? He says, one other thing. Let your mind dwell now. That mind that was full of fear, full of worry, full of anxiety, full of sadness, despair even. All right? You stopped it. Wait a minute, this is getting bad. You went to the Lord in prayer and said... You know what I do? I need you to help me on all these things. And he does. And you, you got that peace starting to build in your heart. And you're thankful. Then he says, now run toward the other things, the right things. Right? The things that are true. Things that are true. It's true every day of your life that God loves you so much that he gave his one and only son for you. That's the truth, and that's good, and that tells you how much he loves you. Spend some time dwelling on those things. You know, why do you think God has set things up so that he's got a whole book of things to think about, and he's set things up so that we gather together at least once a week, and then we hear from the word, right? That's what we're doing right now. Why do you think that? Well, there's a lot of reasons, but one of the reasons is because we need to think differently. We need to think differently. And so we, we need stuff that's from God to think about instead. And we got tons of it. We're going to see that in just a minute. Whatever is right, whatever is pure, you're not going to find that in your circumstances and in this world. Whatever is lovely, whatever is good reputed, there's anything excellent and anything worthy of praise. And when you look at Jesus, when you look at the way the Lord works, there's plenty excellent, plenty things worthy of praise. Stop worrying pray, and set your mind on the things of Christ. That's the recipe, to be content and to have peace in your heart. So let's go back to our question. What do we have to be grateful for? Well, you know, I think you've already seen it, but let's let God tell us some more. Please turn to Psalm 100. As we close today, we're going to look at Look at people giving thanks. And once you notice the things that a psalmist, we're going to see now, and then Paul, we're going to say, what are the things that they're thankful for? They must have had worries and fears, but they put their minds on something else instead. What? Let's see what. Psalm 100. Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth. That's like rejoice, I say again, rejoice. Only now, he's not talking just about people. He's saying, you out there, birds, trees, mountains, you shout joyfully to the Lord. Serve the Lord with gladness. 
come before him with joyful singing? No. Right? I have come to learn. I have come to know. Know that the Lord himself is God. In other words, he's, he's in charge of everything. He's got all power. He's for you. He's working all things together for good in your life. He's God. He made us. Think about how wonderfully and fearfully made this human body is. Think about the fact that we, we didn't have to be here. God decided to bring us here, make us, even though in the fallen condition that we, we received from, from at the line of Adam from birth, he still made us with great hope. We, and then we are his people. That's something to be grateful for. Just stop and say, you know what? I'm a child of God. God is my father. He adopted me the moment I believed in his son, his one true son, Jesus Christ. And the sheep of his pasture, the Lord is my shepherd. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. Notice, where do we look for things to be thankful for? It's simple. Verse 1, shout to the Lord, you look to him. Verse 2, serve the Lord. Verse 3, you seen a trend yet? Know that the Lord is, is our shepherd. Verse 4, enter his gates. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. Verse 5, the Lord is good. Whatever things are good, the Lord is good. His loving kindness, his grace will last forever. Now that in the past we've been justified, we need to understand that each and every day we are being showered with the grace of God. And in the future, we have glory that awaits us. His loving kindness is everlasting and his faithfulness to all generations. He made us. We are his people. Be grateful for that. Let us rejoice and be glad about that. He is our shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd and he's your shepherd too. You know what that means? That ultimately, you and I will never want for any good thing. You, we won't. Okay? Truly good thing. All right, I'm going to talk a bit. The problem is we don't really know what's good for us. I'm going to give you a couple of things. I, wasn't, I didn't put this in the notes, but I remember this. Something I put together a few Thanksgivings ago. The older I get, the more of those we have. Okay, so we're not wise enough really, to know ultimately what's good, what's bad, without God. All we really know is that the Lord is always good. But here's here's a quick test for you. A man is lost at sea. Is that joyful or sorrowful? Sorrowful, okay. A child is kidnapped. Is that good or evil? Evil. A newborn taken from his mother's arms. Good or evil? Evil. A man goes blind. Is that joyful or sorrowful? Okay, let's see how you did. A man is lost at sea. You said it was sorrowful. Evil. But yeah, but what if that, what if that man is Jonah who was lost at sea? Now what is it? Good. God was giving him an attitude adjustment. A child is kidnapped. Is that joyful or sorrowful? You said sorrowful. Well, but what if that child was Joseph, who was kidnapped and became second in command and rescued his whole family from famine? A newborn taken from his mother's arms. Terrible. Except, how about if that newborn was Moses, who led his people out from Egypt? A man goes blind, but what if that man is Saul of Tarsus? Okay. The point is, is that we are, all, we are, not, we are ill-equipped in and of ourselves to judge ultimately what ought to be joyful and what ought to be sorrowful. But we always know the Lord is good. And by the way, I'm going to stop there, but I want to just, ha- this week I'd like to invite you to, to read a couple other passages. Okay? All right, so you have to promise. You, everyone promise now? Because otherwise we're going to have to go through it. We're going to be here another 10 minutes. You know, and I don't know whose dolphins are playing today, and I, wouldn't, I would hate to interrupt that, but if I have to, I have to, right? No. Go to first, will we read First Corinthians 1, 4 to 9. Realize that God has given you everything, and realize that it's all in Christ Jesus. One of the things when you go through that, just I want you to just 
underline either in your Bible or in your head the number of times now Christ Jesus is mentioned, right? Because now we know the Lord is Christ. The Lord is God and Christ is God. We see all the things that he's given us that we're, wait, we're awaiting the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ and so forth. We will never lack for any good thing. The things of God, the things of Christ, never affected by our hardships, distresses, our tribulations, anything, our afflictions, our swords. We are, we, the Lord Jesus Christ will confirm us to the end. He will. We have a great, great future. On the day of the rapture, which may come soon, we will be blameless in the eyes of God. And we've been called, think about this, we have been called into fellowship with the very Son of God, Jesus Christ our Lord. Fellowship with him. If he's with us, who can be against us? If he's with us, can anything ultimately harm us? No. Not the things above, not the things that are permanent, right? Not the glory we have to look forward to. And one other passage I want you to read is Colossians chapter 1, verses 3 to 12. Not right now, because, you know, that football game, but Colossians chapter 1, verses 3 to 12, okay? And you can look at it quickly, and, but I want you to read it later. Here's the point. Ultimately, if you want to say, what should I be thankful for this morning? What should I be thinking about? What should I be dwelling on? I'm going to give you the summary of it right here, right now. Go to the scriptures, but basically we should be grateful that God has given us his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, because he is the source of all good things. Whatever is good, whatever is lovely, whatever is pure, whatever is of good repute, if there's anything worthy of praise, you'll find it in Jesus Christ. So now, about that list, what do we have to be grateful for? How much time do we have? (laughs) Right? All right, let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you this morning giving us an attitude adjustment through your word. Help these things to stick in our hearts. We have to realize we don't have to be worried or afraid or fearful or sorrowful or anxious. We don't have to. You've given us the secret to contentment, and it's all in your son, Jesus Christ, and it's all in how we think, and it's all about realizing the truth about who he is, what he's made us to be. So we thank you for that, and we ask, Father, that this would motivate us as we go through this week with the ups and downs and the challenges and frustrations that we return to the simplicity of devotion to Christ. We ask it all in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, again, no Bible study this Thursday because of Thanksgiving. And remember, too, the Pakistan giving. If you have an opportunity to do that, we ask that you do consider that if you've got the means to do so. We have, by the way, we, we're not meeting this Thursday, but most Thursdays when we meet, we, we always have a Bible prayer meeting, Bible study followed by a prayer meeting. So give us your prayer requests. I want to pray for them. I know some of them will be tough. I know it won't be easy. But sometimes, you know, it's, you know um, we, we don't have hearts of stone here. You know, when you tell us something, we'll, we'll feel it. All right? And, and that's good in a way. Not to overwhelm with it but to understand what people are going through. And prayer, prayer is a way to do that. And if you want to let us know, we'd be happy to pray for whatever it is. And I um, just want to briefly touch on that, what it is to give in the church age, right? Just to think about that. You know, actually, you know, it's a good time actually to talk about giving because... You know, God has given us the greatest gift, the unspeakable gift of Jesus Christ. We are a lot wealthier than we think. And so, but at the same time, no guilt. There should never be an ounce of guilt. Doesn't want, if you're feeling guilty this morning when I talked about Pakistan or talked about supporting this church, I ask you not to give. Because that's not what it's all about. It's all about gratitude. Realizing that we're okay, realizing that people who haven't believed in Christ are not okay, and you want to do something about it in your own life, yeah. Also to support the preaching of the Word of God and so forth. But it's by grace. It's, it's just between you and the Lord. And as we leave today, one more thing. 
want to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, especially to you. You say, wait a minute, I'm already a believer. Yeah, but you're the, you're the ones going out there. Right? And you should be. And you should be a little bold. Just think about the guy in the street corner that was shot to death. Okay? You might say, oh, that's the reason I don't want to do it. No, that's the reason you do want to do it. And I don't mean so that you'll get shot. But I mean that so that you understand that there is, there is a need to be bold about the preaching of the gospel. I ask you to do it. I ask me to do it. Here's the gospel. Every human being is a sinner. Every human being was a sinner from the moment they were born. All of us are that way. And furthermore, there's not a thing that any human being can do about the fact that they're a sinner. They could, they could work day and night at it. They could, they could do a religious thing day and night. I was, the, I was a really religious guy, and I went to a certain religion. I know you, I've talked about it a lot. And I did everything that I could think of that they told me to do. didn't matter. I knew it didn't matter in my heart. Because there's only one thing that matters. is to recognize that you can't save yourself and that God sent you Jesus Christ as your Savior. And then Jesus was buried. And on the third day, he was raised from the dead to new life. He will never die again. And God says, all I ask is that you believe the truth. Hear the truth and simply believe it. Realize you're a sinner. Understand that God in his love has provided you everything you need to be saved and be with him forever. And it's simply a matter of hearing the truth and believing it. Stop, stop believing the lies about how you think you can save yourself, but believe in him. You'll be saved. You're given eternal life. You're justified forever in God's eyes. Believe on the Lord Jesus and you'll be saved. Heavenly Father, as we leave this morning, once more, we just want to thank you now for the truth of the gospel and the privilege that we have of preaching it. We ask all this again in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, by the power of the Spirit. Amen. All right, you're dismissed to do whatever you may do. Hopefully it'll be a good thing or two.